0: Well, good morning, my friends. I have um, missed you. It is um, it's Thursday morning, I guess, and uh, this will be for Monday. I was drawn to 1 Corinthians this morning, and if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, that would be great. I, I think sometimes we forget um, uh, where Paul and Peter and the, the apostles went and what they went through to, to get the gospel message out. I'm struck by uh, this. I was struck by this as I was thinking about Paul's message on the power and the foolishness of God's ways. Uh, man's ways are one thing, God's ways are another. And we have, I think, incorporated so many of man's ways into trying to do God's work that I think we've kind of muddied the water so much that it's hard to tell where man's ways and God's ways uh, separate. Uh, in uh, in about uh, AD 51, uh, Paul goes into Corinth and let's look at uh, some things about Corinth. If you have some paper, you can write this down. Corinth was a had a population of about 250,000 free people. But it also had a population of about four hundred thousand slaves. Think about that the slaves outnumbered them um It was a commerce city it was a they had two uh two ports, two harbors and it was the crossroads for travelers and traders and People would come from Italy and Spain and Asia Minor and Phoenicia and Egypt to the east and and things would be shipped in and shipped back out so it was this place with multi multi cultures um It was very affected by the Greeks. Uh, It's people were interested in Greek philosophy and placed a high prism on, uh, or excuse me, premium on wisdom. And so Paul wasn't thought of when he came and talked there. um, He wasn't thought of very highly. The Greeks didn't think very much of his delivery because they were more into form than they were into content. Three, it's religion. Uh, uh, Corinth contained at least 12 temples. What a crazy place. It was a center of unbridled immorality. In fact, there was over a thousand sacred prostitutes served at the temple. Um, it was widely known for immorality. In fact, there was a term that was uh, brought uh, to to bear uh, by the Greeks. It was called to Corinthianize, which, which, which means to practice sexual immorality. And into this setting comes Paul. To preach the gospel and to share, and so turn to uh, First Corinthians and let's go to verse 22, and I'll read a couple verses or a few verses to you, and kind of maybe try to unpack some things here this morning to you to kind of get at what was going on in Corinth. Corinth was uh, a mess; it was unbridled immorality, and it had crept into the church, and and um, I don't think it's much different than what we see today. I think we're seeing so much immorality and we're seeing so much of man's wisdom creeping into the church and replacing in many places the word of God. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. God didn't, God didn't, try to send Paul in there with man's wisdom to counteract man's wisdom. In fact, God sent him in there with this foolish message of the cross, a uh, foolish message of this man who came um, and said he was the man of God and said he was um, the son of God and said he was the Messiah and he's crucified. And, uh, and then the story of this crazy um, Jew who was raised from the dead. He doesn't send him in there to try to uh, counteract uh, uh, wisdom with wisdom. He sends him in there really truthfully with this foolishness in their eyes of this man, Jesus Christ, and this message. Look at verse 22. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom. So this is the culture that, that Paul goes into and he's ministering into. He's got these Jews that are looking for miraculous signs, although they wouldn't accept the signs that Christ did. And Greeks, all they want to know is wisdom. They honored people. They would sit for hours and listen to people talk. Verse 24, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. To those who God has called, we need to understand that God draws us. We don't find, remember the old um, 70s like your 80s, I said, I found him. God was never lost. We're lost. He draws us to him. So God just reveals the wisdom of God. 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of god is strength stronger than man's strength god confounds us with his uh, wisdom because it seems so ridiculous uh, a baby born in a manger is the savior of the world come on a man upon a cross is the messiah and the son of god come on uh, buried in a tomb come on his life is over no nope. there's an empty tomb and the resurrection happens first 26 brothers Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God says, I'm going to take these people that no one else would use, and I'm going to rock the world. And here we are 2,000 years later, and God is still doing his work through these foolish people, these um, people that no one would choose. God would chose me but nobody else would have chosen me Uh, and maybe you feel the same way about you that you don't have the nobility and you don't have the um, intellect and you don't have the training and you don't have the finances for God to use no God uses us weak because the message comes in us and the message can flow through us. And people look at us and they don't look at us. They look at the message coming through us and say, how did that happen in Gary's life? How did that happen in Dave's life? How did that happen in Jeanette's life? How did that happen um, in in Teresa's life? How did that happen in Jean's life? How did that happen in Mary's life? How did that happen in all of these lives? All of you that listen, how is it that God is moving in your lives when we don't seem to have the the um, the credentials to 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 be... His servants. Verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast. Before him, we can't stand before God and boast. It's a good thing you have me, God, or your church wouldn't be growing. Um, Verse 30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Don't boast in yourself. God didn't come to make a better version of Gary Holy. He came so that Gary Holdy would realize that in himself there is no good thing. Gary Holdy would die to Christ or die to himself and then live for Christ. Um, I would be buried in baptism. I would come uh, out of that water a brand new person because of the work that he did. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you with elegance. Uh, eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you uh, the testimony of God. I didn't come to you to impress you. I didn't come to you as this great orator. I came to you just as this simple man who on one day on the road to Damascus, on the way to do havoc to the church, on the way to draw uh, men and women out of their homes and out of their places of worship and dragged them before the magistrates and had them uh, either imprisoned or killed, God got a hold of me and changed my direction. God God used Paul, but he didn't use Paul's resume. He didn't say, I'm going to send the best of the best of the best. In fact, if he was going to use Paul in the way that we would have used him, we would have sent Paul highly trained in in, um, uh, rabbinic uh, tradition and the law. We would have sent him to the Jews. No, God chose to send him to the Gentiles. Because God's economy is different than ours. If you want to be great, you... Uh, you serve. If you want to be rich, become poor. If you want to gain your life, lose it. God's economy is different. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not coming to you with any grandiose message. I'm coming to you with a message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Verse 31. I came to, you, uh, came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and pervasive words but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not might not rest in men's wisdom but on god's power i ask you this morning because i'm a reader i i love to read but my wisdom doesn't rest in the wisdom of man's teaching i pray that it doesn't i pray that that what my wisdom re, uh, rests is, is rests in is in the is in the strength in the word of god god uses things that we wouldn't use god used the torturous cross to show forth the love of God, even though Deuteronomy 21:23 says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. Jesus came, Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, and he gave his life and gave his life even on the cross. Philippians chapter three and verse 10, Paul says this, Philippians 3:10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Uh, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, here's what I want to know. I wanna know Christ and his resurrection. Paul is saved post-resurrection, so he looks back to the cross. The disciples looked toward the cross. There was a different viewpoint. They looked and they knew everything that Jesus did up to the point of the cross. And and Paul didn't have that advantage. Paul was studying to be a rabbi, but when God confronts him on the road to to, uh, Damascus and he changes his life, Paul's whole view then was now looking back toward the cross and he wanted to understand what Jesus did on the cross. And he wanted to understand that. And you and I need to understand that man's wisdom is not what we need to be um, using to try to touch people's lives today. Men's wisdom isn't going to cut it. We need to rest in the word of God. So what's your plumb line this morning? What's the thing that you stand for? What's the thing that you, when you minister to people, you're going to try to show them your wisdom and your intelligence and and your book knowledge and your book smarts? Are you going to rely on the fact that Jesus Christ came, a baby in a manger, God wrapped in human flesh, John chapter 1 and verse 14? God willing to give his life for us, John 3:16, so that we might have um, an abundance of life, John 10, 10, What are you going to share with people? Hopefully it's going to be the reality of a changed life that you were living one way and got a, um, got a hold of your life and changed you in such a way that they can say, man, if God can change Gary Holdy, he can change anyone. If God can get a hold of a life like Gary Holdy's and use him in some small way uh, to minister to others, maybe He can use my life. So I would tell you this morning: Don't rest in your wisdom. Don't rest in your pedigree. Don't rest in your bank account. Don't rest in your resume. Rest in God. Rest in God, and just just determined to know nothing more but Christ, His life, His death, His resurrection. And the fact that he's coming again for a church, the Bible says, without spot or wrinkle. Let me pray for us. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. I love you big. Shall we talk again?